0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to Conversation Peace with Patrick Armstrong. I am the titular Patrick, and this is a show where we talk about the missing pieces of the conversations we're already having. Shout out to all our returning listeners, and a high five and hello to everybody joining us for the very first time. I appreciate y'all being here as we kick off 2024. For this first episode, I've had this question rattling around in my brain for a little while now. I just wrote about it recently, and it's something that's kind of been at the edges Of my mind since November came around um, And we went through National Adoptee Awareness Month And that is The fact that it's actually not really A question but more of a Statement that I've been trying To unpack a little bit And that is that we have to be Uncomfortable with so much of the Conversation around adoption because the Act of adoption itself is inherently Uncomfortable And so I wrote a little bit, like I said, I wrote a little bit about this the other day that in my personal experience, adoptees rarely try to poke holes in their own stories because they want to do that. They simply start to uncover and discover the holes that were always there to begin with. So... To give you a little personal example of what this means, I'm a transracial Asian-American adoptee, transracial meaning that I was adopted by parents of another race, and for me— Because of the situation that I found myself in, I ended up doing a lot of not only internalizing of my surroundings and my environment, but also a lot of suppression of my ethnic and racial identity, of even the feelings of wanting to explore any of that type of thing. I felt very uncomfortable around Asian and Korean things. I also felt like being anything other than white was wrong in a way. And so I did a lot of rejecting of my identity, and that really shaped the way that I would navigate the world as I became an adult, and I made my way on my own, did my own things. And it wouldn't be until 30 that I started to unpack and and come to consciousness and really start to interrogate the experience that I had had. And as I did that, I realized that a lot of these missing pieces, these gaps within the things that I had experienced were not only things that always existed within me, but were things that I subconsciously had actively worked to keep from myself, keep myself from exploring. And I thought that was really interesting because I had had experiences where people would ask me questions like, do you want to search for your birth parents or have you ever returned to Korea? Or do you know how to speak Korean? Do you like Korean food? Things like that. And those questions, I would always respond to them with like a laugh and with the truth, the truth that I felt at the time, which was, you know, I was adopted. I don't really have any connection there. I don't really want to make a connection there. I'm happy with the life that I have. When I talk about adoptees specifically rarely trying to poke holes within their own stories this is what i mean by poke holes it's like when we get asked these questions especially pre-consciousness and coming to consciousness is the state of starting to explore and question the narrative and story that you've always experienced about yourself when you're asked questions like Do you know your language of origin or if you've been to your country of origin? Those are generally questions asked by people outside of the experience of the adoptee, outside of the experience of adoption, and who are asking us adoptees to poke holes in the narrative and the experience that we have always had, because generally... And I say generally loosely because it's not everyone. It's not meant to be all-encompassing. But generally, in my experience, when people ask those questions and ask us to poke these holes, it's because they have a singular idea of what it means to be adopted. And their version of what it means to be adopted almost always does not align with the answers that we give to the questions that they ask about our experience of having been adopted. And so the irony... Is that we being asked these questions are expected to poke holes in our own stories and then are demonized or invalidated when we express things that run counter to what they have already expected us to answer with because they have answers that they want to hear answers they need to hear answers that they have been told by the dominant narrative of adoption over decades that has informed and influenced the reason they would even ask these questions in the first place. And those are the answers they expect. And when we respond in ways that run counter, they have to either one, again, demonize or invalidate us, or and, maybe not or, and demonize and invalidate us. They also have to shame us, if we don't know, or encourage us to go out and seek that information because that's what they would do. I just find I've I've been snoodling on this a little while now thinking about, you know, just the inherent irony of asking these types of questions, asking adoptees to poke holes within their own stories, because people feel emboldened to ask those questions because they feel comfortable with their own idea of what adoption is which is the singular narrative which is this happily ever after everybody all parties involved are totally fine and happy afterwards and family is created that's what we think about adoption that's what the dominant narrative has instilled in a society in a global society over not just decades but centuries we've become comfortable with that station of what adoption is but the truth is, and as I stated at the top, the act of adoption itself is inherently uncomfortable. And because of this singular narrative, we've not asked ourselves why children are being adopted. We've only asked ourselves and not even asked ourselves, but told ourselves that adoption is the solution to a bunch of problems. And the problem with that mindset is that we do not address the root causes of why a child is needing to be adopted in the first place. And when we start to address those root causes, we become, we have no choice but to become uncomfortable with the answers that we start to find, which then lead to more questions, systemic inequity like poverty or wealth distribution or things like that. The forced separation of children, like through the one child policy in China, um, genocide, like what we're seeing in Palestine right now, or in the Sudan and the Congo, or when we trace it all the way back to the indigenous peoples of the Americas or enslaved, forcibly enslaved Africans who were then brought to the Americas and those families were forcibly separated via genocide, via displacement. Um, Even things like natural disasters, like the earthquake in Afghanistan that happened a few years ago. These are all things that in themselves are inherently uncomfortable. However, because the dominant narrative of adoption has positioned adoption itself, the act of adopting as a solution to these said problems, we as a global society look at adoption And are comfortable with it because it is easy for us to imagine what it is like to save a child. It is far more difficult and almost impossible in some circumstances for us to envision what it's like to resist and disrupt and dismantle the systems that force us to experience genocide, to experience whatever inequities that exist, that force us to experience separation. We have been unwilling to address and hold ourselves accountable for those things. And because of that, we are comfortable in the conversations that we currently have about adoption because we are not addressing those inherently uncomfortable root systemic issues. And if we were to do that, we would ask different questions and have you been back to your country of origin or do you want to search for your birth parents or have you or how did that go or any of these things that we feel entitled to ask because we think we already know what the answer is going to be. And when the answers don't line up with what we expect, then we cannot do that work of demonization or invalidation. Instead, we should realize, oh, there's something off here that I have not experienced, that I need to dig into, that I need to understand more, that I can understand more. And so when we start to do that deeper digging, we find that not only is the act of adoption itself inherently uncomfortable, but the conversations that come out of that act, the conversations that lead to that act are uncomfortable. And they have to be uncomfortable if we're going to be able to resist and dismantle and reframe the conversation around adoption. And the only comfortability that should come of it is the comfortability we have in sitting in that discomfort around these conversations. And one of the first things that we can do to do that is to ask different questions. Why is this happening? Why are there people who find themselves in the position that they're in that they have to make the impossible choice of giving their child away in the first place? Why is that happening? We have to ask that kind of question. We have to ask, why are there systems in place that disenfranchise certain people while uplifting and elevating other people? And why are those disenfranchised people disproportionately – giving their children away for adoption? And why are the people who have been elevated and uplifted always the ones that seem to be doing the adopting? We have to start asking these uncomfortable questions because that discomfort leads us to a path of liberation. It leads us to a path of truth and of knowledge. It leads us to a place that we can actually build solutions instead of looking at solutions that are Stop gaps at best and inherently harmful and dangerous at worst. And the problem with that is, is that a lot of those things fall towards that latter half of the spectrum, the inherent danger and harm that's being caused by a solution that we've grown comfortable with because we've been told that this is the only way that these things can be solved, that these uncomfortable situations These are the only way we can solve it. Instead of how do we support families, we think, how do we separate families? And when we think about supporting families, we think about taking a child and putting it into another family because that'll be better for them. We don't talk about what happens to that first family. Are they supported still? What's happening with them How could we have supported them prior to this ever happening so this didn't happen? Is there a reunification possible? There are tons of questions that should inherently make us uncomfortable when we ask them because it forces us to take a deeper look not only at the systems that we exist in, but at ourselves and how we might feed into and uplift and perpetuate these harmful, harmful systems. And by doing so... Again, we can start moving towards freedom, towards liberation in ways that we have not seen for our specific community, for the adoptee community. And I think it's really, really important for us to start to do that. And so, this discomfort around these conversations that we have with adoption, we have to find it. We have to find our way there because, at the end of the day, the root of this whole equation is that the act of adoption itself is inherently uncomfortable. And when we can recognize that and we can start to name and recognize some of those root causes that lead to someone having to make this choice, that then lead to someone becoming an adoptee and entering this community, when we can start to put these pieces together, follow the path, see what is happening here, we can start to then actually address it and come up with conversations that are uncomfortable, but solution-based and lead us towards active solutions that are actually better for all parties involved and not just because we say that's the way that it is. A few resources that I would highly recommend checking out if you have the time. The book that just came out in 2023, You Should Be Grateful by Angela Tucker, Angela has been a powerhouse in this community for a really long time, been doing really amazing work, operating in very visible spaces for us, and her book has been one of the things of 2023 that I've really walked away from, still finding myself learning from. And it's definitely something that I recommend. Uh, Another one, When We Become Ours, a young adult adoptee anthology by a number of different authors edited by the amazing Shannon Gibney and Nicole Chung. This has been one of the this is one of my top five books that I read in 2023 and something that I wish that I had as a child, because it doesn't only touch on these themes of what it means to be adopted, But it does so in a way that is not just documentarian-like. It is literal fictional stories in a YA setting that are really engaging, really draw you in, and also explore these themes of adoption and the adoptee experience. Could not recommend that one enough. Um All You Can Ever Know by Nicole Chung seems to be one of those books that is on every adoptee's radar, whether you're a Korean adoptee or not, uh, as one of those first pieces of literature that you read that has this experience woven in it that's written by an adoptee, so definitely recommending that one as well. A couple podcasts, Black Adoptee Identities, I think is really a fantastic podcast that uh, has opened my eyes to a number of different perspectives and experiences within this broader community. Adoptees On, hosted by Haley Radke, one of the longest-running adoptee podcasts out there. I've had the privilege of being a guest on that show, and Haley does just a fantastic job of facilitating not just adoptee conversations, but conversations with folks who operate all across the spectrum of adoption in order to provide a broader, more nuanced look at what that means. And then last but not least, I have to hype up my other show, The John Chi Show that I host with K.J. Relke and Nathan Nowak. Um, We're, you know, a little over three years old now, 150 plus episodes in. And while that deals mostly with the Korean adoptee experience, uh, exclusively so far in the Asian adoptee experience. I do believe that it covers a lot of these different themes, a lot of these different discomforts that we should be drawing upon when we have these conversations around adoption. And I can say the thing about same thing about Black Adoptee Identities and Adoptees On and the number of other podcasts that exist out there. Um, but I just want to highlight those few different things that you can go and take a look at, listen to, read, um, experience, immerse yourself in to help get you, specifically the listener, from point A to point Z or at, at the very least from point A to point B and onwards. It'll get us to this point of being able to have a fuller conversation. Because one of the only ways that we can get to that point is by actually listening to the people who have this lived experience and by not only listening to those whose experience aligns with what we think we already know. If we're not able to challenge the preconceived notions that we hold about what it means to be adopted, particularly for folks outside of this community and identity, then we're never going to be able to find our way to nuance, to find our way towards solution-based conversations that are inherently uncomfortable because we are forcing ourselves and siloing ourselves within an echo chamber of our own making. And we've already been doing that. The dominant narrative of adoption has already siloed us in that way because, and this will be something for a future episode, but the industry of adoption, the wheel that turns to keep this particular practice going is one that is rooted in a singular narrative of adoption and the single narrative that is going to help continue make sure that this process this industry this complex continues is the positive happily ever after all parties involved are made whole narrative the narrative of gratitude and you can check out some more previous episodes to hear a little bit more about that but that 's what I want to talk about today, which just you know the act of adoption itself is inherently uncomfortable we 've been made to think otherwise, but it 's not impossible for us to understand that we have to move out of comfortability into discomfort in these conversations in order for us to truly start to validate this identity to validate this community, to validate these experiences in a way that allows us to move towards solution-based conversations that will be inherently uncomfortable for everybody involved because it deals in an uncomfortable subject that has been made palatable by the dominant narrative of adoption. And so would love to continue having this conversation. If you have comments, questions, whatever that looks like, you know, make sure you hit me up. If you've been following me on Instagram lately, you have seen me. Having these different types of conversations, writing a lot more about the adoptee experience lately, especially over the last few months. And uh, it's conversations like this. It's questions like this that come out of this work. Um, I had been stepped away for a while since I came back from Korea in July, especially from sharing my own personal experience. And I've been able to find myself, you know, returning to highlighting my own experience specifically because of therapy shout out to my therapist shout out to everybody who uh sent tips in set in information sent in all the different types of advice and recommendations thank you so much i appreciate it um it has helped me get to this place of self-acceptance and self-love that i thought i had already reached back in 2022 and now as we kick off 2024 i'm in this place of being able to not only approach these broader conversations, but to approach them specifically from my own personal experience and not be afraid or not feel burdened by exploring the conversation in that way. And I'll end on this note. You know, I think it's really important to be able to highlight your own experience as well as everyone else's experiences for three reasons. The first reason is that it highlights the complexity of what it means to be an adoptee by showering us in a plethora, an infinite plethora of experiences of the adoptee. Number two, it emphasizes the elevation and amplification of said voices, specifically those that do not align not only with my own experience and preconceived notions of adoption, but that do not align with the dominant narrative of adoption. These are counter narratives that we want to elevate and amplify. And by sharing my own experience, as well as figuring out ways to amplify and share other people's experiences, it emphasizes that point. And number three is sharing personally creates an accessible entry point, not just for other adoptees, but for prospective adoptive parents, current adoptive parents, people that work in adoption, people that fall outside of adoption, people who are part of families or who know adoptees that are in their lives in any capacity. Sharing personally and sharing it as part of this broader conversation around this particular topic creates that accessible entry point. And we, have to, we have to find ways of accessibility and to make these conversations accessible for all people because the discomfort within the act of adoption and the discomfort that comes in the comes out of the conversations that we have, once we recognize that can feel inaccessible at times. A lot of it draws on scholarship. A lot of it draws on things that if you're not an adopter, you feel like I'm not qualified or at Liberty to talk about this and that keeps you in your silo of comfort. And if these conversations aren't made accessible in certain forms and fashions, we're finding ourselves still fighting an even more difficult uphill battle when it comes to what we want to talk about. And so as we bridge the gap between 2023 and 2024, this is one of the conversations that I want to continue to have. And one of the reasons that we're kicking off conversation piece 2024 with this particular episode is because it's fresh on my mind and it's not only fresh on my mind but it's something I'm extremely passionate about that's really close to me hits close to home because I have that lived experience but this is one of the conversations out of many that exist out there that we just aren't having enough of and if there's one thing that we do on this show it is address those missing pieces of conversations we're already having we're already having The positive conversations about adoption. We have to start having the uncomfortable conversations if we are going to find ourselves on a path towards solution based thinking, towards solution based conversations that are inherently uncomfortable. Because at the end of the day, the act of adoption itself is inherently uncomfortable. And we have to be able to talk about it that way if we are going to create the change that we need to see within not only our community, but our society as a whole. That is episode one, technically episode 66, but episode one of 2024, the first episode. I appreciate you all for being here. Thank you so much for joining as we kick off the new year. New episodes of this show will drop every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. To support the show, leave us a rating or a review. Follow us on Instagram at ConversationPodPeace or follow me personally at Patrick in the World and subscribe to conversation ConversationPeace, the newsletter, which comes out every Monday. Paid newsletter subscribers also get exclusive access to our companion show, Conversation Notes, which drops every Wednesday, aka tomorrow. And uh, that is really exciting. We've got a lot of incredible content coming out for the newsletter here in the next few months. Again, that is weekly on Mondays. Conversation Notes weekly on Wednesdays. Conversation Peace weekly on Tuesdays. I really can't wait to share more of this incredible content with y'all, more of these incredible conversations. But until then, I am the titular Patrick and this has been Conversation Peace. See you soon.